0: I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. I am at the L.A. Coliseum where Washington defeated USC 52-42 in front of an announced crowd, sellout crowd 72,224. And I mentioned to these guys before we jumped on, I'm looking to my right. I'm up in the press box and underneath the clock, it says Julia and George Argyris Plaza. So, you know, Mariner fans will know what that means. But sold out crowd, the field, uh, the grass field, the grass is not a thing, Scott. They're three and oh, I don't want to hear it. They're three and zero. grass is not a thing. But, uh, you know, really cool atmosphere down here. Husky fans showed up well. Had a chance to talk to Jen Cohen a little bit pregame and uh, also um, Jay Hillbrand. So, got a chance to see them. And uh, it was interesting to see Jen because I've known Jen for a long time. So have you, Chris. And you can only imagine she was, she wanted to talk to the UW people. But I said, you know, no matter what you do down here, somebody's going to be unhappy. And she was just kind of sheepish. But I'm sure it was a tough game for her. But great setting. And this is just a great, great victory. And, Boy, um, Dylan. It looked like Corey Dylan out there instead of Dylan Johnson, because Dylan Johnson had one hell of a game, Scott.
1: Absolutely, man. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Do, do we know if what the biggest rushing total ever was for a single player?
2: Yeah, it's Did, 296 by Hugh okay. Applehany back in the okay. like in the 50s. Like I think it was an Apple Cup like in the 50s.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, but still, I mean, I mean, his game was ridiculous. I mean, the guy was just gashing USC all game long. Uh, that 53 yard run uh, to start that last drive, that that game clinching drive essentially, and then and then the run right before the touchdown, and then the touchdown. I mean, he's just, he was just an absolute animal uh, tonight, and um, proved that. I, I remember when when he was going through the recruiting process with you know Washington and everything like that, and um, I got the sense that Washington, you know, because he started playing games, started started talking to some other schools after he'd committed to Washington and everything like that, and he started playing some games and and I thought there was a good chance that he wouldn't wind up at washington and and what's the big deal? Washington's got a deep, deep enough uh, running back room. Well, now look at this. I mean it's he he's just been awesome for Washington over the last five, six weeks. Oh well, let
2: you real quick, guys. Just just looking at the records now. The 244 yard or 256 yards would actually put him top five all time for single game record um, right in front of Lewis Rankin, who had 255 at Stanford in 2007. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that that will put the only one that's above him in terms of more, more recent was Chris Polk's 284 yards in the when Apple was Cup in, State, 2000, yeah. Yeah, in 2010, um, that, which was second all time. So he's top five all time with that.
0: I want to ask you guys what you saw because when I talked to um, uh, Coach DeBoer post game and asked him what the difference is, he said that they put an emphasis on two things: the ability to get outside and not dancing at the line of scrimmage, just the one cut and go. Tell me what you guys saw because I'm down on the field and it's hard for me to see.
1: Well, oh, there was I'll no dancing. Right I out. didn't see any.
2: I was going to say I'll tell you right out. It was just as someone who has watched USC played since, like, the Charles White era, like in the mid to late 70s, when I saw him run for 200 and whatever yards at Husky Stadium. um, That was some student body right stuff going on.
1: Some of I it mean, was,
2: yeah. They just played those toss plays to the right and the left, and they just let Dylan Johnson go to work with some of the outside blocks, and it was so pretty to see that being played in the Coliseum against USC, because USC is a team that obviously has made... An absolute mint off of those plays for decades. And Washington, to be able to kind of throw it back at them a little bit, that was fun to see.
0: Hey, Scott, I wanted to ask you about something because I'm always listening to the opposition broadcast when I'm on the road. Because like I said, it's difficult for me to see things. And these guys were as good broadcasters as I've listened to in a long time. They're good. But they were talking quite a bit on some of those outside plays, just that Washington had the numbers. And they were saying, when you got five blockers on four uh, defensive guys, it's easy money. Did you mm-hmm. see a lot of that? Was that some oh, kind yeah. of scheme they were running? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: No, I mean, it, it just looked like every time they lined up, it, it, it was the the alignment was made so that you, uh, USC would would end up. Overloading one side and leaving the other side wide open, and then they would just run to that other side. And I mean, it, it happened at least four or five times that I saw, and if not more. And they did it with Tybo as well. Uh, I saw Will Nixon get a get a nice big chunk run on on a play like that. So yeah, happened quite a bit. And I think it was more of an alignment thing that Washington was putting out because they probably saw in film how Alex Grinch wanted to cover. Cover up things on the on the strong side, and then they would run it to the weak side.
0: Was it was it right side? Was it with Julius Beulo?
1: No, it it was both sides really, but they did more damage to the right side, definitely. Um, well, big, I don't know if it play, was necessarily big, Julius Beulo though.
2: The big play, the big run in the fourth quarter was to the right side.
1: Yep, um, and that was Parker would, Brailsford pulling out and getting a right. walk down the field.
2: I would say that I just think that the offensive line did a phenomenal ja- job of really. Just creating a lot of debris in the tackle box. Just getting guys down on the ground, not allowing a lot of pursuit from the box to the edges, and that allowed the the, the receivers to put their hands on some guys and, and get downfield with some with some really important blocks. And at least allow Dylan Johnson and Nixon and Tybo and those guys to at least be able to get their shoulders square and up the field. And once they did that, then they were able
0: to really make some hay. And, and I don't know, Scott, if you noticed, was Garen Hatchett in there much or were they just pretty much riding Bulo? Because they've been rotating those two in, you know, since Bulow came back. And was Bulow the difference in the running game? I, I mean, I'm really curious about that.
1: Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Kim. Unless we're at Husky Stadium, it's real hard for me to see the offensive line and who's actually in um, most of the time. So... I'm gonna say i I don't remember seeing Garen Hatchet in i I saw Julius uh, Julius Bulow in there a lot at right uh, right guard and I saw them run behind him several times so also
0: also looked like they were putting in uh, packages with three tight ends
1: yep yep uh, Josh Cuevas uh Culp and uh Westover were all in and Quentin yeah.
2: and Moore did some things they, too they, you yep. know it looked like Cuevas was really gonna do some he did some damage early. Yeah, and then when he kind of disappeared a little bit, everyone was asking where Jack Westover was. He came in and made some plays, and then Devin Cope, obviously uh, just a couple of huge plays down the field uh, that we could talk about if you want. But it just it was a a real complete effort by everyone involved.
0: Well, what's kind of crazy is when you look at Washington scoring fifty two points and you look at the total yardage. Where is it here? Washington had five hundred and seventy two total yards uh, offense. I think you're automatically going to think Penix had a huge game, but he only had two, only had 256 yards passing. That's how effective the running game was to, you know, talk a little bit about Michael Penix because, you know, that's a small amount of yards for Michael Penix, but I thought he played a hell of a game.
2: He did. He did. But I would say when you say 256 yards, Kim, that's the same number of yards Dylan Johnson had running the ball. That might might be the screwiest that I think I've seen in
0: years. Yeah, I thought, excuse me, I thought Michael just had a hell of a game. It looked like he was in control of the offense. I couldn't tell how much he was really checking down, but uh, it it just looked like uh, he just carved them up like a hot knife through butter.
1: Yeah, he didn't check down a lot, Kim. I mean, he hit a lot of his guys uh, down the field. I mean, even though even when uh, USC was dropping their guys, Washington was just running screens under those middle screens to like the tight ends. Romo Dunsey did it a couple of times. Um, you know, uh, Jalen Polk actually had one. So um, Washington had a great counter to if USC is going to drop off 15 yards and and try and keep Washington from throwing the ball down the field. All they're going to do is throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage and let the the uh offensive line get out and get their blocks and that's exactly what we saw. Sorry guys.
2: I just got I got a bug stuck in my throat. I was so shocked. But to go back to panic skim real quick. Yeah. Just in, in in there was just a couple plays where it felt like he kind of out Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams. Like the pass to to Cope in the end zone on the big scramble. That was one play. He kept alive a a couple of other plays. But really, I just think he just he took what the you know as Scott said he just took what the defense gave, and really played a complete game. So even though I know he got outgained, I know those types of things. Just like Nix outgained him uh, in, in the Oregon game, I still think Michael Penix, when push comes to shove, had the bigger moments when it mattered in the fourth quarter when Washington outscored USC ten yep. nothing. It was some key plays made by that offense. Dylan Johnson obviously made a huge impact on that. But I yep. think Michael Penix had just as well, big a
1: pass. And, and what about that fourth down play on fourth and four, and he finds Romo Dunze completely wide open? I mean, it was a busted coverage, but still, he had the wherewithal not to panic. He, he, was, he sat back there calmly, hit O'Dunze for what was it, about 26 yards, whatever it was, yeah. and extends that drive, turns it into a touchdown.
0: Dylan, uh, excuse me, Michael Penix was 22 of 30 for 256, two touchdowns. Uh, he was sacked once, and he doesn't get sacked very often. Um, and uh, the big thing is um, he, he just played one hell of a game. He had one hell of a game. He threw that one interception. I don't know if he's being a little bit greedy or what, but he had Westover open, but the guy barely tipped it with his finger and got it off trajectory. Yeah, and, got, and the guy the guy who six, tipped seven. it is
1: six seven. Yeah. I mean, and he needed every inch of the six seven to to get that pass. I mean, yeah, it was, was going to be a touchdown to Westover.
2: You I don't mean, see too many guys doing almost kind of like a Tampa two style going backwards at six seven, and then he's twenty yards back. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that would have caught Penix off guard you, a little bit too. But again, he was throwing to a tight end, so maybe yeah. he should have put it up a little bit more. He certainly didn't look like he could ever overthrow him. And I know a lot of fans are saying that they, he got greedy and all that stuff. I, that looked like a perfect pass. Yes, it think, was going to be. And if, you, and if it's a guy who's six foot instead of six seven, you're talking about a touchdown. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that happens.
0: Hey, Chris, you talk about that throw. Your, your favorite throw was uh, uh, Michael Penick's throw to um, Romo Dunsey in the Oregon game in the end zone. Was that throw better than the throw and the catch by Devin Culp?
2: Uh, yes, given the, given the circumstances, hundred percent, because the, the one to cope was unbelievable, but the game was still very much in the balance. There was, it was first half, still so much game had to be played. The one with Odunze it, it, against Oregon, that gave him the lead and it gave him the lead with what? Less than two minutes left in the game. Yeah. To me, it's the Odunze play it was, it's, I, as far as plays of the year, that's still the number one for me.
0: Yeah. And just real quick, you know, coming in last week, I told you guys, you know, when Michael came into the room, he was hacking, he was wheezing. He told us to stay away from him. He had the long face. He looked like crap. Uh, Michael Penix was back post game. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. old Michael Penix was back post game.
2: He, he was back. He was back. And guys, just, just to harken back a little bit because I know that everyone talks about the the troubles he had against Arizona state and then Stanford, by the way, we are recording this right when the Stanford-Washington State game has ended. Anybody want to take a guess as to what that score was?
1: No idea. Oh, gosh. I Stanford
2: 10, Washington State 7. Jeez. <laughs> so how's that Stanford game looking now?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, Stanford did put up a bunch of yards on Washington's defense. but yeah. Hey,
2: they're 2-5 the and five is, in the
1: pack yeah. now, man. They're rolling. Yeah
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And as good as Caleb, excuse me, as good as Michael Penix was today, Caleb Williams is as good as any quarterback I've seen in a long time. His elusiveness reminded me of back in the day uh, when John Elway was playing for Stanford, and it just didn't matter what Washington did. They chased that guy all over the field, and he would just throw the ball downfield or run the ball. But Caleb Mm -hmm. Williams, impressive quarterback.
1: Yeah, he is. But I'll tell you what, you you make him stay in the pocket. And that's what they did in the second half. If you watch, they or actually it was late in the first half. That was when uh, Zion got his, his sack and a forced fumble. And and Braylon Trice got several pressures. Carson Bruner got in for a few pressures as well. Um Voy got his sack because they kept him hemmed in. They didn't let him get outside the pocket. And that was a big key. If you saw. Washington was able to get in on Caleb Williams several times, and he w- was able to escape and, and make plays happen and, and keep plays alive. And I mean, it's almost impossible to cover wide receivers, especially talented ones like USC's down the field for six, seven, eight, nine, 10 seconds. I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible. So, um, but you know, he's a schoolyard quarterback. He's a guy who, if, if you make him sit within the, w- within the pocket and play within the structure of that offense, He's not he's an average quarterback in my opinion. It's when well, he's able to get out and threaten you on the edge with his legs so you don't know what to do and then all of a sudden uh he's he's throwing it over your head or he's running by you.
2: And Chris, yeah, I don't it. I don't think he's a high, I mean I I just don't think I've been trophy winners or average by any stretch under any circumstances. I think Caleb Williams is half magician. The thing is, as Scott you mentioned, if you can get him Somewhat contained, because you you're never going to be able to completely shut him down ever. No, ever. No. He is going to make Mahomes type plays. He's going to make four or five of them a game that just leave you shaking your head as you see the debris scattered on the field, wondering how was he able to do that. But when Zion's able to make his play with the fumble, when Voightanufi is able to make his play in the fourth down in a key circumstance to basically take them out of field goal position, even to try to tie the game. All you need is a couple plays here or there like that. In order to neutralize all the positives that Caleb Williams brings you, because the way the way USC's defense was and has been the last month or so, it, it, it's they're a get-right game for any offense that's struggling, let alone a top-five offense like Washington.
0: Yeah, the thing that was just so impressive about him, I was, you know, seeing him up close and personal, like I was. He's big. He, He's got a real thick lower body. He's built like a running back. He's mm-hmm. a big, strong, muscular guy. He does not have skinny legs. He's got those big calves going. He's a man. I mean, he's a grown man. He's really thick. And just off the, uh, just looking at the stat sheet, he was 27 of 35 for 312 with three touchdowns. Uh, the number that kind of st- stands out to me a little bit, he was sacked three times. So Washington was able to get in there, and they were chasing him all over the field. So... Uh, but like I said, he's impressive, and I'm sure Washington will be glad not to be facing him again. But Washington really struggled on defense as well. Austin Jones, the transfer from Stanford, 11 carries, 127 yards, but uh, they t- they tore Washington up. They- yeah, well,
1: p- part of that part of that was because of the threat of Caleb Williams. Washington was doing a really poor job of the read zone, you know, yeah. playing that. And you know, anytime, I mean, if they went with Austin Jones. Caleb Williams just kept the ball and ran it. And if they went with him, which most of the time they did that, um, he uh would would hand it off and he would just gash them. And you could see Eddie Ulafosio and and uh um uh Alfonso Tupatala, they were guessing wrong almost every night on where the ball was going. They they were they were guessing wrong. They were hitting the wrong gap and, and, and that really that really hurt them. Yeah, <laughs> I was going
2: to say real quick, Kim, one of the things about Caleb Williams, too, that's rough. And 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 people were wondering pregame, Washington fans were asking whether or not they thought Washington should use a spy on Caleb Williams. And my answer was no. Oh. And I think you saw it during the game when he got isolated, when guys like ZTF or Trice got isolated with him out in space. Oh. He was able to get around him, juke him. Um, he was able to basically do whatever he wanted because he's such a superior athlete. And so you can't, you can't spy that guy. You've got to gang tackle that guy. You've got to get him in the backfield and then have like three guys on him. Cause that's the only way you can try to stop.
0: Him. No, he's going to juke you. Like I said, you know, he's built like a running back and he's got the moves like a running back. And the other thing is, you know, what you guys saw on TV, I saw some of the replays, but boy, their wide receiver sure seemed to extend their arms on the defense. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, that, that, the,
2: the, no, yeah. No, I don't. I don't even want to get started on this. Yeah, this
1: is the second game in a row. That that touchdown pass to um Elic Io Ioman- Manor last last week, the 39 yard touchdown. He completely shoved off of uh Elijah Jackson and got the touchdown. Got the separation. They the two two of the touchdown passes the one where he basically just schoolyarded it and threw it on a back shoulder throw to them they completely shoved the 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 I think uh Vincent Nunley was in coverage on one of them on Mario Williams and then uh I think it was Elijah Rice was the other one yeah Elijah Davis versus Uh, it was horrible I mean and I'm not talking where they're battling for it and and it's just a little it's a little nudge they extended their arms and. yeah, it was
0: yeah. bad. Yeah, just one thing, if you guys can clarify because I didn't see it. Maybe you guys saw it on the replay. Uh, why did Troy Fautanu think it was a good idea to take off his own helmet, throw on the ground, and then keep on playing?
1: He didn't uh, take he it didn't, off. It was, he didn't take it was it off. knocked off. Somebody got up in his face mask.
0: Yeah. No, it got knocked off. And he got a 15-yard penalty for it. Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, yep.
2: for basically just running. Yeah, now, I <laughs> I, I, say, I find it yeah. odd that they think that a guy is just going to stop and just sit there. Yeah. What are you going to yep. do? He's, I know how, honestly, how much did he influence the play? Because I get that the whole idea is it's about player yeah. safety. The guy's running around without a helmet. How'd are players really going to try to cheap shot him? <laughs> How'd it come on? I off? mean, it's just, it's just, it's just weird to me. It's just weird.
0: Yeah. Uh, they also got back, Scott, they got back uh, uh, a La Tully Latula Gasanoa. And I was hoping that that would make a difference in the running game. It didn't seem to matter.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, they like we said, they just gashed Washington. I, I just I, I think Washington was so concerned about uh, Caleb Williams that they didn't pay attention to Austin Jones. And especially with their starter out, maybe they maybe they thought that Austin Jones wasn't going to get as many carries and and things like that. But, you know, Thule did get in on a pass rush one time and flushed him. Now, that was the touchdown pass to uh, Mario Williams. But, um, you know, I mean, he's not 100 percent uh so i mean i i don't know how much he's gonna how much he's gonna influence things
2: and just real quick guys i one of the things that that kind of influences all this stuff on what washington fans see on defense because it's awful it's not good no one's gonna say it's good Mm -hmm. but one of the things that's going to influence the game as a whole is the fact that washington had the ball almost 35 minutes tonight they haven't had the ball for 35 minutes it feels like in two months they had and they ran seventy-two plays, which is like I don't remember the last time they run that many plays. Maybe they ran that many plays against Stanford. I'd have to go back and look. But it feels like the other team has been the one sucking the oxygen out of the game offensively. But really it was Washington that ended up having the ball ten basically ten minutes more than USC tonight. And well, the what- average yards per play were pretty much dead even at uh, USC had it 8.2 yards a play. Washington had 7.9 yards per play. It yeah. really came down to, to those key turnovers and stops when you had to get them.
0: Well, also in the fourth quarter, Washington outscored USC 10, nothing in the fourth quarter. And I asked yep. Dylan Johnson post game, if he could feel that USC wore down and you guys will listen to the file, you know, that I sent to you. He said, absolutely. He said, they weren't coming after us like they were early in the game. They wore them down.
2: Yeah, and and here's here's a couple things within that quarter alone. So they outscored him ten nothing, like you said, Kim. 100% correct. They also had basically the same number of plays as USC. USC had 15. Washington had 16, but Washington had the ball for three minutes more than USC. And when USC needed that ball back, Washington wasn't giving it to them. <laughs> they just weren't they weren't allowing it. So they were they took they took it in the moments they had to. And I think that was really, really key in that fourth quarter, because everyone understands that in the fourth quarter, you got to finish those games. And the top teams nationally are the teams that finish those games. Washington figured out a way to
0: finish. Did you hold your breath a little bit when Washington was only able to get a field goal on the one drive? And by the way, that barely made it in. That barely made it in. I, I didn't.
2: I, I didn't at all. Because, again, you're getting points, you're getting points. Even Do if they US get four Post- points
1: if he makes it by a lot? Yeah, right. Well, they get they get four points if he makes it by a lot. I was
0: right under the I was right under the goalpost, and when I looked, I was going, "Uh oh, this doesn't look good." But, uh, but the he, way he
2: kicks it, I, he's so much more just about accuracy because everyone knows his leg is plenty strong. I mean, he was kicking it. He was kicking it for touchbacks tonight, talking about Grady Gross. Yeah. But you know, even if they go up by three on that, everyone's like, "Oh my God, this is the time they broke down because USC's going to score a touchdown. That's going to be that." Mm-hmm. Well what if USC scores a touchdown is wash has USC shown any inability to really stop Washington in
0: general no it just seemed like the the last pe- everybody thought this game was going to come down to whoever had the ball last but
2: and, and honestly it kind of it kind of did in a way I mean but it was the last possession for USC not the total last possession.
0: Yeah, let me just run down the stat sheet real quick, some things that kind of jump off uh, the chart. Net yards rushing, Washington, I, you we're going to have to look up and see when the last time they had over 300 yard rushing. They had 316 yard rushing, uh, USC 203 net yards passing, Washington 256, USC um, 312 Uh Time of possession, Washington had out, uh, out-possessed them, 34-40 to 25-20. So, I mean, that's 14, almost 15 more minutes of a time of possession that USC had. Third down conversions, I thought, were key as well. Washington was 7 of 10. USC was 4 of 9. But 7 of 10, That I mean, that's just uh, pretty good. But Washington was 7 of 7 in the red zone, uh, and uh, six of six of those were for touchdowns. Uh, sacks, Washington had three sacks, so that was a big number. And then just individual statistics, Michael Penix, again, 22 of 30, one interception for 256 and two touchdowns. Dylan Johnson, 26 carries for 263, but he had seven yards a loss, so 256. And then Will Nixon, for, uh, four carries for 24 yards. Receiving Romo Dunsey, six targets, five catches, 82 yards. Jalen Polk was targeted seven times, uh, five receptions for 52, and that 32-yard reception, boy, that was a great catch that he made on that. It was just a great, fully vertical outstretched, just a great catch by him. Giles Jackson played tonight, too. He had six uh, targets with three receptions for 19, and one of them was a huge catch, huge catch on uh, – was that third down or fourth down he made that, Chris? Third down. Third, third down. A huge catch on and, there.
1: And, Kim, you didn't get to see it? Um, because you're at the game, when you go back and watch the replay, they'll show you an angle with a line that yeah. shows you, and they've they've done it up, and that was probably the difference in them reversing that call. And yeah. I'm just wondering why I've never seen it before. And Chris said the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> why it was a I brand I
2: new look. This? It was like it was like almost like the re- it's like the red dot, you know, when you have like the 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 gun with the laser search, and you got the little red dot like on someone's forehead. It was like that, but it was a line, and it was like laser-cut red line going down the line of scrimmage to gain. It was
0: crazy. Leading tackler, Dominic Hampton, with 10 tackles. Thaddeus Dixon actually had six tackles. So, uh, But, uh, you know... one of the words I use quite a bit, onward. And we are onward to Utah on Saturday. And Scott Eklund did backflips and cartwheels and popped some champagne because we got a 1230 start at Husky Stadium. Yep,
1: and so. no more games to interfere. No more uh, <coughs> soccer games for my son to interfere. So, uh, yeah, 1230 kickoff. I'm looking forward to it.
2: And, Kim, yep. you were you were asking the last time Washington had over 300 and what was it, 316 yards. Yeah. This is what they had tonight. 2017 Apple Cup. 328 yards on 45 carries and five touchdowns
1: Miles was gaskin baby uh-huh yeah. <laughs> well and Savan, right yeah
2: uh either Savan or probably levon coleman oh
1: yeah that was the yeah, 41 yeah.
2: 14 yeah, that wasn't the snowball game
0: oh okay so uh just uh, you know just 9 and oh. Nine and zero. Oh. You know, and I think most of us, when we looked at this schedule, thought that at some point up to this USC game, that it was going to be tough to not lose a game. We thought there'd be a stumble somewhere. But, you know, there's still three tough games on the schedule. And then if they make it to the championship game, that's not going to be a cakewalk either, because it sure looks like everything is pointing to Oregon in that uh, championship game. And they are rolling.
2: Yeah, they're playing well. There's no doubt about it. They're certainly on the ups. So I think everyone, the national talking heads, are all going to be talking this week about how this this Washington-Oregon game needs to happen. It needs to be the eventuality. It needs to be the thing that ultimately decides which Pac-12 team is going to make the playoff. But if Washington goes unbeaten and makes it to the playoff and loses to Oregon, then what?
1: Yeah. yeah. That's going to be
2: Love, man. No, yeah. serious. That yeah. is that is that is like basically the, if you really think of Washington, Oregon being the two teams of destiny in the Pac-12 right now, that's a fi- that's a coin flip because either Washington wins or Oregon wins. If Washington loses that game and they go 11 and one and they happen to lose to the Pac-12 champions, who they no, beat Washington earlier would be in the season, and,
1: wouldn't they be 12 and one? No, okay, gotcha. Sorry, it, go ahead.
2: No, they would be 12 and one. No, they yep. would be 12 and one.
0: Yeah, yeah. it'll come. It'll come down to if Washington does lose that game, how, how well they played. Was it a blowout or was it a close game as well as the Michigan-Ohio State game and what happens there? And yeah. do they even let Michigan play in it? So yeah. lots of football, lots of uh, lots and lots of football left. Uh, polls will be out at sometime tomorrow morning. Do you think Washington moves at all in the polls?
1: No, no. no.
2: But, I, but or- my hot take is this, guys. My hot take is this. If they go 12 and 0. They go 12-0. and 0, They should be in the playoff no matter what happens in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah.
1: Okay, that is a hot take. I disagree, That's what I'm saying. That's my hot we'll, take. We'll That's see. my hot take. We'll
0: see. Let's wrap it up, Chris Fetters.
2: Yeah, fantastic night, honestly. And, and I really was wondering if there was going to be a defense that was going to show up tonight that was going to get right against one of these teams. Not really. Didn't really happen. Um. So I was kind of, you know, whistling in the wind on that one. But I really do give a lot of credit to Washington overall for stepping up and going through a lot of adversity and fighting through it, because I'm telling you what, those officials gave them all the adversity that they could handle. And I'm not going to go into the details of it. I think Washington fans just understand there was a lot of things going on. And I'm sure Kalen DeBoer, there was a couple moments on TV where he was literally just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. He was looking at the line judge going, I don't even, I don't understand. I just don't understand. So for them to overcome all that stuff, for Michael Penix Jr. to outduel Caleb Williams in his own house, he's got to be the Heisman front runner by now. That's that's another hot take. I don't think that's very hot, but he he's got to be the Heisman front runner at this point. And then now you go up against a Utah team that just scored fifty five against ASU. This is going to be a phenomenal game. Husky Stadium should be rocking. Twelve thirty start. It's going to feel like a game played in the eighties and nineties, man. Let's bring it on.
0: Hey Chris, just one quick question. You were talking about Kalen and the officials, and I was down in the end zone. But it, uh, I, I think it was uh, first or second and ten up from the twelve, and they took it down to the one, and they were showing it wasn't a first down. <laughs> Do you know, what yeah, the, what no, part? that was that was Pac twelve refs,
2: Pac twelve refing the hell out of that play. Yeah, that, that, it's just unbelievable. Like, so the one play that they saw for sure where Kalen was basically going apoplectic on the line judge was when they had the fake. Where the last yeah, time yeah. they did it was when was when they did did it in the Apple Cup with Wayne Talapapa, where he got the direct snap when Penix yeah. looked like he was walking
0: away. In motion, yeah.
2: They called an illegal formation because they said like the receiver had his back to the play or something. I was like, you you can you could look at Kayla Kayla DeBoer's looking at the ref and the ref is explaining it to him and he's like, what
1: are you? He goes, you're what are you talking about? I mean, could he it basically have done a handstand as I long as he's. I, I don't know. I don't as have. As long a clue. as he's not moving and he's in the right position, either on the line or off the line, depending on where he's supposed to be. Yeah, who cares which way I, he's facing? I
2: don't have a clue. Like I said, I didn't want to get into the rant because ranting about officials is about the dumbest thing I could think of. Because right. it happens on both sides. Everybody gets offended and and pissed off by him. I'm pissed off by it. But the bottom line is Washington figured out a way to overcome all of that and basically just give the middle finger to the refs and say, we don't care what you do. We're going to beat you anyway. We're going to beat everybody tonight. And that's what they did.
0: Scott Eklund,
1: wrap it up. Uh, Washington beat a soft USC team. And I mean, and they did it exactly the way they should have. They ran it right down their throat. And Washington, you know, Lincoln Riley is not long for this job. I'm going to absolutely hysterically laugh when he tries to go somewhere else.
2: Real quick, real quick, Scott. Do we think that Caleb Williams
0: hangs it up? Is he done for the season?
1: No, I don't think so. I, don't I think, think he's too either. much of a competitor. I, had, I, had, I think he's too much of a competitor. Yeah, so, I, I'm, um, I'm, yeah
0: I'm guessing there's people in his camp telling him to though. Oh, I, yeah,
1: well, that wouldn't surprise me. But you know, he can also tell those people to go take a go eat a you know what. But um, you know, I, I Washington needed this win um, for obvious reasons, not just not just for um, for the sake of you know staying nine and zero and and. Staying in the hunt to get to the college football playoff and everything like that. They needed this win over a, a look. USC isn't a great team, but they're a really good team and they're a really good offense. And Washington was still able to come out and outlast them and beat them on their home turf on grass. Not a place where Washington wins a lot. They have one. They they won they've won two in a row at the Coliseum. I don't know. the last, I mean, we'd have to go back and look at that. When was the last time Washington won two in a row at the Coliseum? So, um, but great win for Washington. It was fun to watch it happen in a way that we weren't expecting, which is by the running game. And uh, great to watch Dylan Johnson uh, go off. Great to see Michael Penix back being his kind of normal Michael Penix self. And um, yeah, now we're on to Utah. And uh, boy, that is going to be one heck of a game. 55 to 3 over Arizona State, a team that held Washington to... 15 to 7 <laughs> you know so that's going to be a real interesting game to watch uh next week
0: yeah no it's the uh, LA Coliseum it's wild um you know i've uh i've got to get back to the hotel tonight and i'm hoping my nav system does not take me on the same route it brought me in because that was kind of sketch on the way in so hopefully we get a good route home but uh, hey anytime road wins are hard to get and this is a USC team that's just got you know such a dynamic offense with one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in the conference for a long time so you take it and run and uh, there's a lot of kids on this team from the LA area it means a lot to them so it's always special to see Michael Penix after the game especially on a game like this because he's calling his parents down and he's hugging his mom so that's always a great moment to see and uh yeah no we're looking forward to next week's game with a twelve thirty start against utah but uh hey we're not hey, done hey, we're you real, can- quick, real quick yeah
2: you guys wanted to know when the last time they won two in a row down in the coliseum yeah 1935 and 1937
1: wow that's impressive that's yeah. impressive. So, yeah. hey Kim, one other thing to mention, and you didn't get to see the broadcast um, after the game, Deboer and Zion hugged, yeah. and Zion lost it, and um, obviously it was because of his dad and everything like that. But it was great to see. And then Caleb Williams, you know, he jumps up, sits on the railing, and and it's his parents that he's with, and he's he's in his mom's arms, and just you can see that it it just killed him to lose this game. And what it meant. So, um, you know, those are just two warriors out there fighting and, uh, and leaving it all on the field.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're just getting started. Um, we have football media on, uh, Monday. We have football media on Tuesday. We have football media on Wednesday. We have a basketball game Monday night. <laughs> we have a bat, uh, basketball media on Tuesday. And we have a basketball game on Thursday night. And I think most of the people are going to like what they see in this team. So they're going to be fun to watch. Troy, uh, Troy Dannon was down here. It was good to see Troy. Um, he doesn't sit up in the box. He sits down and watches the game. So it's always interesting to see how those guys are. So, hey, it's going to be a busy week for us. So, anyways, hey, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eckland, Go dogs! Thank you.